Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Dan Devone and Sterling Bennett on this Black Friday. Really quick out to the text line, the Xfinity Mobile text line. And the 510 just says, I just want to point out that Dan Devone spent four hours ragging on Jordan Poole and how he's a turnover machine. And ever since then, the Warriors have lost almost every game, done their best Jordan Poole impression. The only reason I read that, Sterling, because you're damn right. Back in the day, I was telling everybody that Jordan Poole is on his way out, even at the height of his popularity. I was like, this dude just does not fit. It was more of a personality-driven thing than anything else. He's the most punchable face in the NBA still, though. <laughs> that was the big conversation we're, I remember we're not We're not going MPF today. <laughs> not in the holidays, Sterling. Not in the holidays. Well, no most punchable face. We could say Nick Sirianni's up there, right? I you're you don't like you know what Sirianni no. is? He's perfect for Philadelphia. Yeah. Like you look at that yeah. guy and you're like, how is that a head coach? In the tunnel, like clapping back at the fans in Kansas City. Like that that's so stupid. But in Philadelphia that probably resonates. Do you like the fact that a head coach is out there doing the seatbelt lock celebration with his defenders when he did nothing on the defensive play at all? That's what I mean. It doesn't play anywhere else. But in Philadelphia, I'm sure that those bozos, I'm telling you, I don't know what is it about Philadelphia, <laughs> but everybody's like at five feet at birth. Nobody's small in Philadelphia. Okay. I have a lot of friends in Philly. Every time I'm out there and I go to an Eagles game or I spend time in Philly, everybody's huge. They're just large people. And everything they do is just large. If they don't like you, it's large. It's just, it's like nowhere else when it comes to fans. And I think. That the idiots out there and Sirianni being sort of a bozo, it all works. But he's been very successful as a head coach. And him along, because they got hired the same offseason, him and Dan Campbell, uh, just like the, you know, the text line, I will tell you, you know, about Jordan Poole. I'm never wrong. I'm never wrong when I give you these predictions that Jordan Poole would be out the door. <laughs> I got it wrong on Campbell and Sirianni. I did not think that they had staying power. But Sirianni is a lot smarter than I gave him credit for, and he's had a lot of success. Did right. you uh, – did you see JD have to uh, apologize to Dan Campbell on the air last week? Yeah. So JD just thought Dan Campbell was a meathead, going to be gone like you, and in eight months wasn't going to last. JD came on the air and rocked a Detroit Lions T-shirt because he got caught on a, a cold takes on Twitter. It was a whole thing, whole bit. JD had to openly apologize to Dan Campbell on the air. It was great. JD would never be a fan of Dan Campbell. <laughs> So J.D. is a thinking man. I'm a huge J.D. fan. He's, he's cerebral. He's articulate. And Dan Campbell is the complete opposite. But, again, that works in Detroit. And to Dan Campbell's credit, there is something more than just, you know, that stupid, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to, what is it? I'm going to I'm going to bite your kneecaps bite your off. Kneecaps and just all that stupidity. There is, you, you can't just be that, you can't be a moron and coach an NFL football team. There's got to be something there. And plus, you know, he played with the Cowboys. He has some – his pedigree is impressive. Same with Sirianni. You know what they don't do well is they don't do the press conference well. And more than anything else, that's what everybody sees, right? That's what people pass judgment on. Around the country, we see your coaches usually once. That's at the introductory press conference. And when you screw that up, everybody goes back to the respective halls around the country and says – my goodness, Detroit has no idea what they're doing. They hired that idiot, and the same thing out there in Philadelphia. So win the press conference, good or bad, it buys you some time. Let's get out to the phone lines. Gene's hanging out in Oakland. Gene, what do you got, my man? How are you today? 
I'm fine, guys. Um, so I want to talk. I want to chime in on the, the Niners and specifically the upcoming game with Philadelphia. You know, after looking at the um, the Monday night game, Philly and KC, and then the Niners yesterday, I agree with you, Dan. I think we've reestablished ourselves as the number one team in the NFL. And um, this upcoming game, right now, I think the spread is two and a half points, which means to me that the bookies see them as pretty even. I mean, if it was on a neutral field, we may, they might even have a slight edge. I mean, looking Philly at Philly this year, especially the other night, I mean, they're a flawed team, too. In fact, they really should have lost that game. Casey really kind of gave it to them. Um, and there are two or three other games I've, I've watched in Philly that they should have lost, I feel. But uh, And this year, they're not, they're not the same team. I mean, they used to have, I think last year, they were number two in defense. And I just checked them right now, at least in terms of yards per game, they're ranked 14th. So, you know, meanwhile, I think we're, uh, we're well-balanced. We've got depth. And um, you look at the quarterbacks, you know, we've got two guys that are the same size. One that maybe has a little stronger arm and hurts, and one that's more accurate and pretty. So all things considered, I like what I see. I think we win by one score at least next week. And if we can just uh, – Dallas can just take care of Philly, then we're playing here in the, in the uh, NFC Championship game. Thanks, Gene. You know, there's going to be a moment in that game, Sterling, to Gene's point, because I think a lot of this is just it's built into what it is that I was talking about going into the break. Oh, my God, it's Philadelphia. These people are five feet at birth. It's a scary, scary, scary place. And the Eagles were so good a year ago, undefeated. They won the NFC Championship game. Not only won it, they beat up the 49ers. Now, I know. Brock Purdy goes out with the injury, but that's one of those that you just you punched us in the face and we couldn't get off the mat. And so it was pretty decisive. So there's this level of trepidation. It's Philadelphia. It's at Philadelphia. And 49er fans, are they have a little fear going into this game. I'll just remind everybody, the 49ers have the best team in football. On both sides of the ball, nobody can match up to with what it is that San Francisco brings to the table every game. And here's how I think things are going to go down. At some point in the game, there's going to be a moment where the 49ers are just going to recognize to themselves and to everybody else that, yeah, this is Philadelphia, and yeah, you're a good team, but we're better than you. There's just going to be this, and I don't know what it is, whether it's going to be a play, a series of plays, but it's going to be evident and it's going to be clear that you're not so bad. We got hmm. this. You're Philadelphia, but we're a better team. Do you think San Francisco is going to come into that game in 10 days? And I don't want to say – have to prove that if they can get a win would have happened last year as well but it's almost like some retribution of like look this same outcome which you hope is a win was gonna happen last year had we had our quarterback it feels like that san francisco wants to right the wrong that was last year the whole offseason they talked about this that you know well brock purdy got hurt that's why we lost brock purdy's gonna be healthy it almost feels as if san francisco is so confident they were going to win that game last year that they need to win in, in in 10 days. Like, they have to win that game, not just for standings, almost for their own mental health. That we have to prove to ourselves that all the trash talk we did, all of the conversations, all the confidence we had was correct. Because if you go into Philadelphia and you lose, yes, it hurts your standing. It, your, your path to the one seed gets a lot harder. But also... Maybe some doubt does creep in of like, okay, like maybe Brock Purdy wasn't the only factor that if he was on the field would have changed the game. That Philadelphia might, I'm not saying they are, but if San Francisco loses that game in 10 days, I do think that the Niners are going to sit back and say, okay, maybe it wasn't just Brock Purdy. Now, I hope they do, but I think they have to prove to themselves that Last year and this year would have been the exact same outcome had Purdy been healthy. I don't think there's any need wins at this point. I don't think they need to win that game. I think the only game you need to win is if they meet it. They could lose to Philadelphia. You're right. And that combined with the loss last year is not going to sit well. But if they meet again in the NFC Championship game or the playoffs, You're right. that's the game they need to win. Yeah. To emphasize the word need. All right, let's get back out to the phone lines. Juan's hanging out in Martinez. Or is it Martinez hanging out in, in San Juan? It's Juan. What's up, Juan? How are you, buddy? 
good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you turning left or right? I hear the blinker. I'm turning right. Nice. I'm in Sonoma. Um, so what's up, guys? Hey, I just want to talk about Brock Brady. Go for it. I just, I'm just like uh, kind of amazed that people are still talking crap about him. But it's like you know those uh, people that are talking crap about him has gotten less and less. I think people are still going to keep talking crap about him, but. That doesn't matter because he's proven uh, everybody wrong. If anybody was a product of Shanahan's system, I believe it was Garoppolo. I mean, look at him with the Raiders because uh, Garoppolo really shined under Shanahan's system. And now with the Raiders, he's not doing so well. And now he's like the third-string quarterback. But Buck Purdy is like going above and beyond what Shanahan is expecting. And he just he, he's proven that with those throws. I mean, that throw to... Uh, I yesterday. It was just crazy. It was great. I mean, and not to compare to Montana or anything. And it's like, it's like, come on, you know, he has to do a lot more in the regular season and a postseason. He'd be even considered to be uh, anywhere near Montana. But as far as the throws and as far as the decisions and as far as his pocket presence, I, I say he's a uh, he's A plus. Um, I, you know, the, the detractors, you know, can go kiss it. All I care. I mean. You know, obviously they don't, they don't look at football or they don't, like, really watch the games on the West Coast, but whatever. You know, I'm really happy with Bob Purdy. I stumbled into that pick and, and just, like, you know, awesome. I, I couldn't be happy with the team right now. Good job, Juan. Yeah, that throw, Sterling, I, one of the best throws all year. Not just from him, but anybody. To Ayuk? To Ayuk for the touchdown. And, again, it's one of those that you, you have to see these things in person. The layered throws, moving to your left, and a throw that Shanahan's like, check that down. I'm good with it. And for him to say, no, that's the number one in the design. I I'm, I'm, want to go for the jugular. And where he put that ball, that's, that's not easy to do. There's, that's top tier. Maybe five of the quarterbacks in the NFL can make that throw. I pitched this question to Mark two weeks ago after the Bucks game. When Purdy, Talking about Grandy, your, Mark your Grandy, partner yes. in the post-game show exactly. here at 95-7 the game. I, I pitched this question to him. I said, is Brock Purdy, forget the elite conversation, forget is he top 10. Of quarterbacks, is Brock Purdy one of the most trusted in the entire league? I think if you polled 32 coaches, head coaches, I think 30 of them would say, I would trust Brock Purdy to go out there and get me a game-winning drive. To make the elite level throw. It feels like Brock Purdy is one of the most trustworthy quarterbacks in the entire league. I think you hit it. That's exactly getting back to what Kyle Shanahan is looking for. Just make me feel as though I have a level of confidence in you. Make me trust that you're going to do, and you're not going to do it every time, which is why the QBR rating means nothing at the end of the day because people are not perfect, and especially when you get to the NFL, and especially when you're talking about quarterbacks. Mistakes are going to happen, but let me trust you more often than not. And trust is everything to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. It's why he likes Kirk Cousins, why he likes Matt Ryan, which is why I still have no idea why the hell he drafted Trey Lance. <laughs> like that all, one day it's going to be a 30 for 30. One day he's going to do a documentary. He got loaded in Mexico and decided well, to— be Cabo for him, but yeah. Well, Cabo's in Mexico. Yeah, It's not in the East Bay <laughs> next to Pittsburgh. But it's just, I, I don't, you know, I never understood that. But I think that trust is huge. Trust, you nailed it. It's just that's, you give me trust, and I think any coach would admit to that. I, it's great to have Josh Allen. You can fall in love with that. Do or you trust Herbert. him? Hell no. No. Yeah, it's, I do wonder, because Kyle really couldn't trust Jimmy 2019, go on this magical run. They go to the playoffs, throws one pick, and Kyle's like, we're done. Running it 45 times against the Packers and shutting it down against the Vikings. And in the Chiefs game, in the Super Bowl, it felt as if it was more of a, hey, Jimmy, I don't really trust you here. We're never going to see that again with Brock Purdy. There's never going to be this game gets tight, Kyle gets timid, and he doesn't trust the quarterback anymore. Honestly, I think that what we're seeing is, I don't want to say Shanahan's found his perfect quarterback, because that seems wrong oh, to is. say. it is. 
You could say it. But it does feel like that Shanahan couldn't trust Jimmy. Didn't trust Trey Lance. But he has complete and total trust in Brock Purdy, as he should. Absolutely. Well said. Jimmy Garoppolo, you're spot on. And Trey Lance, I'll give you the perfect example of when he got hurt. And basically was the end of his tenure with the 49ers and he tears up his knee. Why? Because he was running the football. Why was Trey Lance running the football as frequently as he was? Just to take you back at the beginning of last season. And Trey Lance was RPO more than 50% of the time. He would run the football. The answer to that, whether Kyle Shanahan's going to cop to it or not, is that he was not comfortable, nor did he trust Trey Lance throwing the ball as frequently as he would have liked because of the accurate issues that I've talked about. And it's that trust that wasn't there for Trey Lance. And therefore, they felt as though they'd be more productive with him running the football and using his legs as opposed to throwing it as often as you see Brock Purdy. So I think that's a great point. And just staying with Brock Purdy, and you know, some of the callers are talking about our man Juan was saying, you know, there's a lot of naysayers out there and people still don't believe, which is why I think coming up next Sunday from the Lincoln, Philadelphia, it is going to be nuts. It's going to be good football, and that's why relevant football is so neat. And, and when the 49ers are good, again, it's not a big game against an NFC West opponent or somebody out here on the West Coast, but somebody out on the East Coast where you've got a game on the line and that's somebody being Philadelphia, that's fun. Like, that's going to be fun, if nothing else. But here's, here's, what it, here's the opportunity, Sterling. For all the naysayers, all the doubters, and there's a lot of them, this is the opportunity on this stage. It's not the Super Bowl yet, but on this stage is where Brock Purdy can turn some heads. This is where he can make believers. Interesting. Because, like, if they win in 10 days in Philadelphia – but Brock Purdy has the exact same game, which you're saying is his best game. I disagree with that, but he was fine. He, he had a great throw to end the game, right? If Brock Purdy has the exact same game he had against Seattle last night in Philadelphia and San Francisco still wins, I don't think people are going to hop on that bandwagon. I think it matters if you care about the respect or or where he's at in the quarterback rankings I think it matters how they win I don't think he can come in next Sunday and play how they did last night and have people respect him more well we can do so and I think me and you're on the same page here that he's a top 10 guy Kyle Shanahan trusts him 100% and he is the quarterback here and it seems like they have the next franchise guy but I think it matters how he plays in Philadelphia and it matters how they win He's not going to gain respect of throwing for 209 yards and one touchdown and one pick. People are going to say, yep, it brought pretty played a pretty bad game. And it's unfair to him because that's not entirely true last night, but he cannot do what he did last night and expect to gain the respect of others in Philadelphia. Okay, let me say this. So if he's to have, let's say, the, the game he had against Jacksonville or the game he had against Tampa Bay against Philadelphia, it's not going to happen. Or he's, he's not perfect. He's not going to have a perfect quarterback rating. Are people more apt to say, well, yeah, but it's the system. Look, at he's perfect quarterback rating. It's because guys are getting schemed open. Or if the game's a little mucked up, which it's going to be, it's Philadelphia yeah. for crying out loud. <laughs> it's going to be cold. He might throw a pick. He might throw a couple of picks. Right. More reminiscent to the game last night where I think you show a lot more about fortitude and who you are as a player and as a team, all that crap we talk about when you overcome those mistakes on the road in the hostile environment, I would argue that's more impressive than just being perfect for four quarters. I think people will say that it's the system or you you only beat Tampa Bay. You only beat Jacksonville. And they'll say, you know, prove it again. But at what point... When you've proven it against 31 other teams but Philadelphia, does that go away? And that's why I do think if people are still naysayers, he has to prove it against Philadelphia. He can't just go out there and win. A win is great. Me and you or whoever else to be on the air screaming and just heaping his praises. He'll deserve that. This team, if they win in Philadelphia, will be at least one game behind them for the number one seed still. But... I think it matters what Brock Purdy does 
in Philadelphia if you want to get rid of or or shake off the it's a system thing or he's a system quarterback. Like that's going to stick on him if he has the game he had last night in Philadelphia. See, I think it's the other way around. I think you're more of a system guy when you have the perfect rating or you're near perfect. I think that a game like he had in Seattle, where, again, having to overcome some mistakes but you still punish them in the end, to me, proves a lot more. And I think that we're sort of, you know, the conversation we're having right here is sort of non-consequential because it's, we're talking about whether people jump on board or not. As a 49er fan, at the end of the day, all you want him to do is to win games. And again, right. it gets back to this, you know, where people now that do shows or people that review or critique, and there's so many outlets for this stuff and social media, what have you, that everything's got to be perfect. Yeah. Like, that wasn't a good game because you weren't perfect because you threw an interception. Who the hell cares? <laughs> Who the hell cares? If you beat the Seattle Seahawks by 18 points, I'll take that. As opposed to, you know, throwing in a an interception and not being quote-unquote perfect. I do think, though, if Purdy, again, doesn't have a even a good game against the Eagles, you're going to then see the national media at least say, oh, he's just Jimmy G again. Now, I don't see it that way. You don't see it that way. The text line, YouTube chat, it's obviously and abundantly clear the fans here in the Bay do not see Brock Purdy that same way. But I can also guarantee many of us, including myself, are tired of Brock Purdy being disrespected. Because we've seen it. We, we, we see him make elite throws every single week. It doesn't matter if they rank him top two or three. No. Because come playoff time, I think he'll prove that. I think he'll stand above the rest and he'll shove it down their, their throats. But it would be nice if at one point before the playoffs... They can actually give my guy some respect. He annihilated the Buccaneers defense that has a handful of players that won a Super Bowl two years ago. The Jaguars, who took the Chiefs to the limit last year, annihilated them. Threw all over them like they weren't even there. And against the Seahawks last night, it wasn't a great game. But you go to Seattle, tough environment, divisional opponent, you know it's going to be tough eventually. Now, some mistakes, don't love it, but you get the win. If he doesn't go to Philadelphia and have a great game, we're going to hear the same thing that we heard with Jimmy G2. And that's unfair. I don't like that, but it's going to happen. Well, if that's the case, then even the great game I don't think is going to shake this. Because if you win like they did last night, and I'm talking about decisively against Philadelphia on the road. Seattle. Or excuse me, in Seattle. And he has the exact same numbers in the exact same game. If that doesn't complete, if that doesn't convince fans, or at least open their eyes, or at least put them on that track of saying, "Hmm, maybe this guy, maybe there is something to it," well, then you're just you're never going to like the guy. Yeah. Because I think last night was, again, I I thought it was one of his best games, man. When you withstand the, because that doesn't happen at home. It didn't happen against Tampa Bay and Jacksonville. They were never threatened. But that's when you find out the medal of a team, and especially a quarterback. You threw a pick six. The momentum is clearly shifted. Now what you got? Where are you at? And as he continues to take these strides of becoming that quarterback that we all think he, he has the potential and we envision as, as being one of the best or maybe an MVP, then you need games like last night. And to me, it shows a lot more about the character when you respond after a mistake, you lose the momentum, you're on the road, yet you drop that dime to Brandon Ayuk, and then you walk home comfortably with a double-digit victory. So it's all ready to go. I cut you off. What do you want to say? No, I was going to say that everything you just said is correct. I do think the one saving grace, let's say Brock Purdy has the exact same game he had last night in Philadelphia, if he makes that Brandon Ayuk throw again to win them the game, we're having a whole different conversation. Oh my goodness, did you see that final throw? Brock Purdy game on the line. He's elite. He can do anything. Like He just ran through a Philadelphia Eagles defense that is good, and they were in the Super Bowl last year. And like, oh my, like If Brock Purdy makes that one throw in a, in a certain situation like he did last night against Philadelphia, I do think that right there would spark the conversation of, let's get him the respect he deserves. I would agree with you. And also, Getting back to the trust, maybe the confidence that people have in Brock Purdy, you just don't get that feeling. A guy who's only, you know, he's been in the league for what, 19 games now? 
you just don't get that feeling that he's just like his eyes are going to be too wide. It's in Philadelphia. He's going to wet himself, or he's just going to make these throws that are so inexplicable that a lot of young quarterbacks are prone to do. You just don't get that sense whatsoever. And the feeling that he exudes that level of confidence to all of us should tell you everything you need to know about a guy who's 23 years of age essentially doing this for the first time. It's a Football Friday brought to you by First Five California. To learn four things you can do to overcome toxic stress, go to first5california.com. When we continue talking a little bit more about the San Francisco 49ers, I also, I've been teasing this, but yes, Jimmy Garoppolo will not go away. Jimmy Garoppolo and why it's going to get even worse for what was once thought of as the most gorgeous man in football. Back with more after this on 95.7 The Game. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Dana Bone and Sterling Bennett, last half hour before we turn things over to Larry Kruger and Jason Dumas, who will take things from there as we continue with the theme, and that being the San Francisco 49ers. Niners taking care of the Seattle Seahawks and do it rather easily in a game that they dominated in that first, dominated for four quarters, but... 24-3 24-3 at the break, and then in the second half, it was all Seattle in that third quarter. Seattle making things interesting after the pick six, tacked on a field goal. And as I have talked about and we've talked about throughout the majority of the morning, is that there was that momentum swing that a lot of people anticipated. Maybe there were some that thought they would run away and hide from Seattle. But there was that you know, Seattle went on their run. Seattle did their thing, and they did it at home. And that place was sideways. It's loud. All right, that might be the understatement of the day, but Brock Purdy, the young quarterback in the San Francisco 49ers, they withstood. They took the shot and then counterpunched and just simply put Seattle to bed. You think, Sterling, that the whole idea of Pete Carroll owning Shanahan, it's funny, the NFC West, Carroll owns Shanahan, and Shanahan has pretty much owned Sean McVay, but when you think about and when you think about the Shanahan and Pete Carroll and the Seattle mystique, has that all been pretty much put to bed with the last four games? I no longer fear the Seahawks. Going up there in 2019 to win the division, Drake Greenlaw's massive tackle at the goal line, that felt like the monkey off the back moment. Oh, we finally beat Seattle in Seattle. Oh, man, look, wow. This is our year. But going up to Seattle just feels like another road game. It doesn't feel like there's a worry of, oh, you know, there's going to be some juju or, you know, some voodoo going on up there, some Pete Carroll magic. Yes, they're a fine team. They're they're a good team, I guess you could say, but I no longer fear the Seattle Seahawks, and I no longer fear them in Seattle, which feels like I should have never spoken that in my entire life. It's a testament, I do think, to Pete Carroll, though. Because you're right, and a lot of it's just simply, it's not the area, let's face it, it's the players. Russell Wilson's out the door, so you just don't, they're not as scary. And Russell Wilson's not the same quarterback, that's another conversation for another day. But back in the day, in the fourth quarter, where he would just will his team to wins. And when he got into a groove, the 49ers just didn't have an answer for that guy. So it was more Russell Wilson. Geno Smith obviously doesn't, you know, he doesn't provide that same level of threat. But I think that it's just, it's always been... You know, this has always been about personnel. And right now, the San Francisco 49ers shouldn't be afraid of Seattle. And I'll take it a step further Uh just to set the stage. They should not be afraid of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I don't want to sound like one of those guys. (laughs) Well, I get it. I get it. It'd be irresponsible to get on here and say, oh, they're going to smoke Philadelphia. They're better than Philadelphia. Philadelphia sucks. No, Philadelphia's a good football (laughs) team. There's a reason why they're 9-1. But – you know, there's been some close calls this year, and that's a testament to them because they come out winners. That's a testament to, to their, you know, their talent and their success. But, again, well, they're the one team that when, when you talk about stardom, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, that's no joke. And you talk about Johnson up front and Kelsey and then the trigger man, you know, Jalen Hurts making it all come together in a defense that – I would argue not as good as last year and very pedestrian yeah. just by the numbers this year with Hassan Reddick and company, very scary. But this all gets back to, yeah, you're good, but the 49ers, at least on paper and on both sides of the ball, are better than Philadelphia. They're better than anybody this year. 
The 510 says the Seahawks are frauds. I think he listened last night when I got my F-R-A-U-D-S, frauds, frauds, frauds chant going on because I think they are frauds. I think there's a good chance Seattle is 6-8 and eight at the end of the month. That being tough s- schedule. It really is. They have Dallas. They have San Francisco again. They have a really tough schedule coming up. But I also, uh, and watching last night's game, I have the utmost confidence that at least this young secondary, Jair Brown, Ambry Thomas, Lenore, a more proven piece like Gibson and Mooney Ward, I think they can hang with A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. At least take one of those guys out of the game or limit them. I don't fear the the Eagles offense as I think would have last year. I think the way we're playing and how we're just crushing teams uh, and the way the Philadelphia Eagles are kind of skating by with wins, mind you, it just feels like, like you said earlier, that they're due for a loss. Whether it's against us or Sunday against the Bills, your luck does run out eventually. Now, you can pick yourself back up and restart your run of luck, but it does feel like, and I'm no longer worried, well, maybe not worried, but... No longer horrified as I was last year playing the Eagles and their offense. I think our defense can actually stop what is supposed to be one of the most potent offenses in football. Well, here's why secondaries are always a product of your defensive front, right? And why the quarterbacks of the San Francisco 49ers, while they're good, you just when you have a defensive front that that rushes quarterbacks, that's pressuring quarterbacks that is not giving a quarterback a clean pocket and giving him those two and a half to three seconds to peruse the field and throw, that's the difference between being a good cornerback and a poor cornerback. It's just nobody can guard any. I don't care how good you are, Darrell Revis, Deion Sanders, whomever, if if a wideout has time, he will eventually find that crease in the defense. So the advantage always goes to the offense should the line be able to protect, which is why that defensive front for San Francisco and the addition of Chase Young, last year's Christian McCaffrey, this year the addition of Chase Young, makes this thing unfair. I talked about this earlier with you, Sterling. It's, it's comparable and analogous to the Golden State Warriors getting Kevin Durant. You already had a star-studded team. You already won an NBA championship. With Draymond, a young Draymond Green, a young Iguodala. The Splash Brothers were the Splash Brothers. This was pre-injury Clay Thompson. And they were so good, and then they get the best basketball player the NBA had to offer. And NBA teams just had no answer for it. Is Christian McCaffrey Steph Curry, or is he Kevin Durant in this case? Yeah, there's no comp to to Steph Curry. Interesting. But I think if there's one player that... Yeah, maybe. so you think it's Christian McCaffrey that makes him go? Yeah. So here's the thing is, if we were to stay with the Steph Curry analogy, <laughs> Steph Curry comes off the floor and then all hell breaks loose. What the hell you got? Nothing. Sure. Which is why they're so bad. You take Christian McCaffrey off the field, and while Elijah Mitchell is not as good, the drop-off is not nearly as severe. As who? As Steph Curry coming out of a Warrior game. Okay. I mean, who, who replaces Steph Curry's points, right. assists, moving without the ball, drawing attention? That's a one-dimensional team right now. I just think that if you take Christian McCaffrey or reverse that, when this team didn't have Christian McCaffrey and compared to when they have had and got Christian McCaffrey, it's night and day. The impact he's had on this team is literally Stephen Curry-like where he just comes in and he changes the entire flow of the offense. The defense gets more tense. It opens up things for Ayuk and Debo and Kittle. It's one more elite weapon they have to look out for. It frees up your Clay Thompsons, your last year Jordan Poole, this year uh, your Andrew Wiggins and Chris Pauls. But it does feel like if you want to say positionless Golden State Warriors basketball has transitioned over to the NFL, I would agree. But I also think that the Eagles, and this is what gives me even more confidence, they couldn't stop Chris McCaffrey even when it was Josh Johnson playing quarterback. And their defense is not as good as it was last year. Yeah, they got a pretty good front four. I'll give you that. Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox is a vet. Uh, Hassan Reddick's doing his thing. 
but it does feel like at least in week 13, San Francisco is playing much, much better ball, riding higher. And I think if it's only one time against Philadelphia this year, I think they might have their kryptonite. Now, I'm not saying, you know, 28 to, to, to 7. I'm saying like 28, 24, 17 to 14. It'll be close. But it does feel like San Francisco, after watching the Seattle game last night, watching them beat the Jacks, uh, the Jaguars and the Bucks, it does make me feel that much more confident they can beat Philadelphia. See, when you're talking about the outcomes of the game, what I'd like to see, now again, I know everybody's like, I want the perfect game, I want the perfect quarterback rating and all that crap we fall in love with. I'd like to see, because this is all about Brock Purdy taking those steps, and Brock Purdy, if he's going to be what it's all said and done with in the same conversation with Steve Young and Joe Montana, if he's going to be a legend, what you need to see at some point, and hey, listen, if you can boat race teams, do it. But if you're behind Philadelphia late in that game, if you're behind Philadelphia in the fourth quarter and you need Brock Purdy, and let's just say Brock Purdy's had a good game but not a great game, because I don't think he's going to, you know, I don't think he's going to have a QBR pretty safe <laughs> in making that assumption, that assertion. It's not going to be perfect. <laughs> but I do think if he's, if he's trailing, if they're trailing in that game, and Brock Purdy, as we talked about before, in front of the country uh, in a game that just about everybody's going to be watching, brings his team back and sticks it in the end zone and goes home with a, a win, that, to me, would be very significant as far as the growth and also now, because the box getting really smaller for the, the critics, right? It's like, well, I need to see you do this, or I need to see you do that, or you, you need to do this before. You're really putting your, as they like to say, you're pettifogging yourself in this little box. <laughs> and so if he comes from behind late into a game and, and leads the 49ers to a victory, I, I, again, if, if, you're, if, you, if you're not on board with Purdy or at least recognizing him as being one of the best, then as they like to say, you're just a hater. You're a <laughs> hater on the kid. Would beating Philadelphia in the regular season be the biggest win of his career? I would say no. Beating Dallas in the playoffs was last Give year. Give that to me again. Beating Philadelphia? Be- beating Philadelphia in 10 days, week 13. Is that a bigger game than beating Dallas in the playoffs? I would say no because the rivalry with Dallas and its playoffs, but I think there would be some people just from the Brock Purdy standpoint that would say this is the biggest game of his entire career. Yeah, I I, I need more to like a second or two to chew on that. I I'm, <laughs> I'm tend to agree with that that this game is bigger because okay. I think that had he not played well against Dallas, there was still you could fall back on he's a young quarterback in his first playoff game. Okay, and I think that we played Seattle first. He, oh, that well, okay. He, he had very little playoff experience, and to compound that, the game was also at home. Yeah. I think they went into that game as a favorite, if I'm not mistaken. I think the challenges with this contest at Philadelphia and the Eagles, a team that you know that beat them in the playoffs at home a year ago, when you're charting the overall growth of Brock Purdy, this has got to be a bigger game for him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, did I'll ask you this. Because it does feel like, from a fan's perspective, last night's victory over Seattle in Seattle has maybe sparked more hope they can actually beat Philadelphia. Now, leaving the Seattle game, it didn't change how I felt about this Niners team, but it does seem like that a lot of fans are so high on them after last night's win that they can beat anybody. That It doesn't matter if it's the, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Eagles, it's bring them on. Like They feel like they can beat anybody after beating Seattle last night in Seattle. Big one coming up next week when the San Francisco 49ers do battle with the Philadelphia Eagles. San Francisco high off a 31-13 a victory to improve to 8-3 and on the season. Now tied for the number two seed. Actually, I think they get the tiebreaker. I want to say over Dallas. They are they currently beat? the number two seed They're over Detroit. Over well, Detroit. Dallas is the five seed because of the non-divisional. Yeah. Well, not seeding, but record-wise. Record-wise, yes. Eight and three with the uh, Dallas Cowboys and tied with that of the Detroit Lions for the best records in the 
in the NFC, all trailing the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia. Well, I'm giggling here. The Philadelphia Eagles because their one loss was at the hands of the New York Jets. How do yeah. you explain that away? Talk about one of the. I don't want to say worst losses because the Jets' defense is still really good. Like, well, it was good back then. It's not. It hasn't been very good of late. There was a stretch where they almost beat Mahomes in New York. They did beat Jalen Hurts at home. It did feel like the Jets were going to have that team where, kind of like the Browns are now, where their defense is the main reason they're winning games. And as long as Zach Wilson can keep things together, obviously now he's their third-string quarterback behind two bozos. It does feel like that the Jets will have fallen from grace. The Eagles just had a bad game. But I don't think that game wasn't... Like that game felt more like an indication of the Eagles not being as good as they were last year to me. But it's a team that's lost only once this year. You know, just getting back to Brock Purdy and thinking about the quarterbacks of the future. The Brock Purdy's of the world, and, and maybe you'll see with Jake Browning, who was another four-year guy the Bengals? at the University of Washington, now getting an opportunity with the Cincinnati Bengals due to the injury of one Joe Burrow. Would it alter the mind of scouts because – it just seems as though that they miss every year. Like, it's so <laughs> imperfect. You know, with all the science and the technology that's available, you would think in 2023 that, you know, you would know who the best quarterback is coming out of the draft, right? Like, you'd be able to simulate whether it's his pro day or watching everything that you've seen when you're breaking this guy down, that you could minimize the risk that whoever it is that you're drafting, but every single year, you can, one thing that you can assure yourself of is that somebody will screw up what is thought to be the top three quarterbacks coming out of a collegiate draft. And so I guess my point is why take that risk and maybe does, does Brock Purdy change sort of the, the thought process that maybe we mitigate that risk by taking somebody that maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling, but it's somebody that is smart, somebody that's been there for four years, and maybe doesn't have the ability that some of the, the bells and whistles of some of the other quarterbacks, but at least getting back to the word you used earlier, there's more of a sense of trust. It does feel like that since Brock Purdy has taken over as the quarterback and had so much success that the NFL, while they're always going to take the raw high-end talent early, that a lot of teams this year were taking a lot of the four-year starters. Take Dorian Thompson-Robinson from the Browns. DTR. He, he went like three rounds and he was projected to go because people said, we might need him to play this year. He could be the next Brock Purdy. It felt like, and now he's starting games for the Browns, but you can tell there was this shift of third round, fourth round, let's take a chance on somebody rather than getting an undrafted guy letting 31 other teams have a chance at him. It did feel like that they needed uh, that Brock Purdy changed the entire way the NFL drafts. I just think that there's, there's credibility to the fact of a guy that maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling and the Jake Brownings of the world that are smart, know to go worth the football and reduce, you know, mitigate the mistakes and don't hurt you, but it's not sexy. And you don't necessarily sell tickets. It's not something that you can build a team around. And oftentimes, when you're drafting that high, you're looking to rebuild. You're looking to create a culture. And you don't do it around the likes of a Brock Purdy. You need a guy to come through the door like the the Spencer Rattlers or the Bo Mix or the the May, the Spencer kid out of North Rattler. the kid Jeez. out of North Carolina. What's May's first name? Kid out of North Carolina. I mean. There's going to be somebody, one of those guys, every year, there's, somebody will hit, right. somebody will be eh, meh, and then somebody is going to be Josh Rosen. Yeah, but I will say this, Brock Purdy has a, Drake ton, May, Drake a ton of charisma. Like, you watch Who Brock has charisma? Purdy. Brock Purdy. Like, you watch him in press conferences, he, uh, really? he's out there winking at the, the cameras, talk, the way he's talking to reporters, like, he looks like a high school student, but the way he carries himself he, he oozes confidence where you're like, you don't look like starting caliber quarterback. You're not tall. You're not big. You, you, you're not tall, dark, and handsome. But my goodness, this high school-sized kid, he oozes confidence, oozes charisma. He may ooze confidence, but I wouldn't call him charismatic. He is he's sort of void of a personality if I was you think so? thoroughly 
honest with you. No, but it's, it's perfect I guess for him. He's compared to Jimmy G, yes. He's but. the most unassuming dude. I, I love that piece they did on him last night when it wasn't Geno Smith half naked on a conference table. <laughs> but NBC did that piece on him where he went to get away from the nonsense and the noise after the three-game losing to streak. Iowa. And the buy, and he's off in Iowa on a tractor. Oh, yeah. Whatever it is that you guys in Oklahoma, that part of the world, do on a tractor. The magic cornfields, man. <laughs> I'm from the city. I have no idea what a combine is or what it is that he was even trying to accomplish. Have you ever there. been to the Midwest? No. Never. Does Chicago consider the Midwest? Not to me. Midwest is like Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri. Never been there. Not even I'm like a, a flyover, stop. man. I go to. Coastal cities, it's wow. New York, L.A., San Francisco, or bus. Is it because of work or because of, like, the water? Well, it's it's work, it's water. It's also I'm a Hawaiian-Italian dark kid, so I stay out of the south, <laughs> and I don't go anywhere near the middle part of the – no. What I understand, I have some good friends, and there's – like, Indiana, I have a lot of good friends. Oh, yeah. Oklahoma, it's like, you know, it's just – what the hell am I going to do there? Yeah, that's a good point. No, but to Brock Purdy's point, like, that's perfect for that guy. Yeah, yeah. But he – does he claim Phoenix or Iowa? What are we doing here? I think it's kind of a little bit of both. I do think he claims more of the Iowa way of life, it seems like. But I also think that fits in here. Like, Debo, Carolina, Kittle, Iowa. Like, this is kind of a a rather Midwest-built team, right? Like, this team has a bunch of southern boys, country strong, thick in the trunk, go out there and run somebody over, but also just be this zany, crazy kid who likes to ride tractors. Like, this this team has charismatic country boys that like to play football. Yeah, again, I can't apply charismatic to, to Brock Purdy, but he's just, to me, when I think of Midwest, I think of just, there there's a genuine quality to him, and I think that there is a, there's a sense of confidence that he provides. There's a work ethic. All those things that you sort of, you know, when you think about the Midwest and farmers getting up at the crack of dawn and working those 12-hour days. Yeah. You know, none of the crap that, you know, it's it's not, you know, they're not trying to make money on a startup and, you know, <laughs> retire in two years. There's some of that to the guy. And that's all you need. You yeah. don't need Joe Namath. You don't need a big personality. He just, he's boring, man. It's part of like what doesn't sell. He is not Justin Herbert with the Brad Pitt looks, and he's not, he's not six foot four. None of that. And that, that works against him. It's part of the narrative, what it is that we've been talking about, is that the guy is so unassuming. And the, the last thing that people want to look at are the numbers. And statistically, and I don't necessarily want to go here, but if you were to base this on statistics, that's your MVP, man. He's up there. Brock Purdy, because he's so unassuming, he he might make a great assassin because you just would never expect him to be, again, the lethal stone-cold killer he is. Any defense that plays him, they make sure, and they, they know they have to stop Brock Purdy. That may not have the biggest arm, may not be the biggest guy, but the confidence he has off the field translates on the field, and you can see it. it. It comes out of the TV screen. And if I can feel it sitting on my couch, I guarantee you that team in the huddle feels it too. The one mistake you don't want to make, if you're defending this guy or if you're assessing Brock Purdy, if you think, oh, he's a country kid, what is it we've just talked about? In his style of play, like last night, where he doesn't check down, if you think, oh, he's just a nice guy, he's going to do the nice things, and he's just a, you know, he's meh. As a football player, this dude is looking to break your back. This kid is going to – you don't think of him as somebody rolling the dice, but he does it in this sort of controlled manner. Again, getting back to that throw, man, that throw <laughs> to Ayuk, to love BA, it. where he layered that and he should have checked down. Kyle Shanahan thought he should have checked down. Everybody was expecting him on the sidelines to check down. And he went for the number one option, and he went for the touchdown. This guy, he plays controlled. The trust factor is there, but he also is, if this makes sense, there is a bit of a risk taker in him. Yeah. There is a little bit of a Brett Favre, but that's, in a much more controlled sense. Right. Well, that's I said it plenty of times here. Brock Purdy does have a little bit of Brett Favre, and dare I say, a lot less of the risk. It's there. He's going to take his chances, but it feels like all the risks he's taken really haven't hurt him too much. I can think of one. And that was against the Bengals with the play broke down and Mitchell ran the wrong way. Like, that's the only play I can sit back and say, wow, like Brock Purdy, your risk did not meet the reward. But he has a little Brett Favre too in all the right ways.
Picture yourself in a cozy room by the fire, enjoying breathtaking views of Bodega Bay. Winter is magical at the inn at the tides. Special winter midweek rates start at just $179 per night, breakfast included. Book your winter escape now at innatthetides.com. Sterling, man, I love you. When are you on again? When's the next you're doing in the postgame? Overtime in 10 days, Niners-Philadelphia. Niners-Philadelphia, when it's done, you check in with my man. It'll be all about Sterling Bennett and Grandy breaking down the the huge game that everybody's now anticipating, which could be for the number one seed out in the NFC. From a man, Sterling Bennett, it's Dan Devone. Stay tuned. Larry Kruger and Jason Dumas up next here as we continue on 95.7 The Game. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.